Uh, just want to say thank you for all of you that are here. And uh, Noah, thank you. That's all I need for right now. That's all. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate those guys assisting me this morning. Um, once again, we're glad to be here this weekend, and uh, it's great to be here at this church. Wonderful uh, music. Really appreciate the music. That definitely stands out. And uh, the kind folks that have been here and the kind words that you said to us already, praise the Lord. And, and uh, glad to see how the message kind of intertwined with some things that was happening even last week. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, so we just anticipate God doing some more things uh, this morning and then this evening as well. So let's take our Bibles this, uh, this morning and turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Once you find Luke chapter 12, I'm going to ask you to turn backwards to Psalm 119. So get your place in Luke 12. And then go to Psalm 199. So Luke 12 is going to be our text, but we're just going to use this verse when I was in Psalm 119, Psalm 119. When I was um, a young teenager, the, the man that God used to even let me know what an evangelist was, was an evangelist by the name of Brother John Crabb. And he is out of New York, somewhere in New York. And um, he came to the Bahamas, and every time he got up to preach, he would say, Psalm 119.18. And we would quote that verse as a prayer before the message he preached. And the verse simply says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Amen. Here's what it doesn't say. Open thou my spouse's eyes. Open thou, thou my children's eyes. Open thou sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so's eyes. It says, open thou mine eyes. Do you believe this? People could read this book and still be an atheist. If they reject the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is trying to say, they can miss it altogether. And we could come to a service, hear preaching, and it goes right above our head. So what, what our prayer should be is God opened our eyes. God, you do it, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy Lord. Don't you love it when someone is preaching on a topic and God speaks to you about something else totally different? So let's say this verse together, Psalm 119, and then we're going to go uh, to Luke chapter 12. So let's say it together. Let's say, let's say the text, Psalm 1, to, to make it easy to remember. Psalm 11918. Okay, let's say it together. Psalm 11918. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now I'm going to ask you to do it this time. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and quietly say it in your heart. And maybe just a whisper. Say Psalm 119.18, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold 
wondrous things out of thy law. Father, have your will, your way in the service, in this message. Speak through me. God, I pray that if there's any here that is lost, they would be convicted. They would be drawn to the cross. The seed would be watered. But God, for those of us that are saved, help us as well to pay close attention, to listen, to hear, to obey. We ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we read our text this morning, I want to ask you a question. You ever heard, I'm going to say a, 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 a saying and I want you to finish it. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Okay, how many of you have ever been hurt by words? <laughs> I don't know who came up with that saying, but that's not true. Uh, even the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, you can get hurt by words. An insult is when someone says something mean about you or something nasty about you or something to hurt your feelings. But there are different levels. I think you would all agree with me. There are different levels of how it would hurt based on the person who says it. For example, if a little child runs up to me and says, hey, you're ugly. It's like, you know, get out of here, stupid kid. I mean, you know, it'd be like, <clears throat> sorry, sorry, Pastor. It'd be like, move yonder, young child. Uh, but, you know, your feelings wouldn't get too hurt. You know, not too bad, not too bad. Now, if you don't know who that child is, you don't never met a child in your life, it really doesn't make a difference. But now, let's say it's, it's someone you know that insults you. Well, that kind of hurts a little bit more, right? Like a friend. I had a young man in our church. I was dropping him home. So he never came to our Christian school. His brother came to our Christian school. He, it's fun, kind of funny. His brother came to our Christian school but really didn't come to church. He came to church but didn't come to the Christian school, but they were brothers, living in the same house. Don't ask me how. I think one got a scholarship for playing basketball. I think that's what it was. So anyway, so I had the younger boy who didn't come to our Christian school, and I was dropping him home. And I said, hey, I said, hey, man, how's your older brother doing? Because I know him from the school. I was the vice principal of the Christian school. He said, ha, I got to tell you something. He is just wasting his time. So I said, what? I said, he's not playing basketball anymore. He said, playing basketball? <laughs> He's almost as fat as you. <laughs> not, not sure. I probably should have said this uh, before I said that. Sorry. That was not for you guys to laugh. <laughs> it just hurt my feelings. But if a, if a person you don't know insults you, it's one thing. If a person you know that's a friend or someone that you work with but boy, I could tell you, if it's family that tells you something, oh, that hurts. A spouse to a spouse, a parent to a child, a child to a parent. You could imagine a child saying, I hate you, to a parent. Or a parent saying, I wish I never had you. Those words hurt. They leave scars. Because based on the person and the relationship you have with that person and how you value that person will determine how hard that insult hurts. Let me ask you this last question. What if God were to insult you? 
I think that would be the worst hurt of all. In the book of Luke, we're going to read one verse of scripture. I'm going to ask you to please stand. Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, I'll read the verse, and then I'm just going to have you read the first six words. So I'll read the verse first. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? I just want you to read the first six words with me. Read it together with me. But God said unto him, thou fool. Sorry, seven words, sorry. Read it one more time. But God said unto him, Thank you, you may be seated. Question this morning. Would God call you a fool? So we already established um, that, you know, if it's someone that you don't know, maybe you took a wrong turn and you cut someone off and they blow their horn at you or say some mean words, yeah, big deal, it kind of water off a duck's back. If it's someone you know, like a friend or someone that's closer to you, well, that hurts because you know that person, you, you have a relationship with that person, and oh boy, if it's family, it will hurt. But I think the worst hurt of all is if God himself, your creator, were to call you a fool. So we got to understand this question. Why did God call this person a fool? And am I acting like this person? Because one plus one is two. If God called him a fool because of what he did, and I'm doing the same things that he is or he did, then one plus one is two, then God would be calling me a fool. So let's see exactly what's, what's happening here. In Luke chapter 12, notice verse number 13. Okay, notice verse number 13. The Bible says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, I want you to just get a picture in, the, in your mind. Jesus, during this time, well, let me find out from you, because you, 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 you are all smart people. I can tell just by the way you're looking. What did Jesus come to this earth to do? Save. While he was on earth, what did he do with the crowds? What did he do to different people? Heal. Cast out demons. Teach preach. He had, he, had, he had 33 years on this earth. He had three years of ministry and he was teaching and preaching and healing the sick and helping people and encouraging people and discipling and he was doing all these things. He was doing all these things because Jesus only had three years of full-time ministry, if you would. And here comes this guy and he says, Jesus, talk to my brother. Is your brother lost? Does your brother need salvation? Is your brother sick? Does he need healing? Does your brother want to become one of my disciples? No, Jesus. My brother doesn't want to give me my inheritance. 
So could you stop preaching, stop teaching, stop discipling, stop healing, stop helping, stop loving, so that you can help me and my brother figure out this legal issue in our family? Does that make any sense to you? Jesus responds. And he says this in verse number 14. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? <laughs> I'm not the justice of the peace. Now, I am, I am justice, and I'm the prince of peace, but I'm not the justice of the peace. I'm not some legal entity that you come to when you have issues in your family concerning who owns what property. It's, it's believed that he was either the older brother and as the older brother, he was supposed to get a double portion. So let me keep it simple. If there were two brothers and the dad had $30,000, the older brother would get $20,000, the younger brother would get $10,000. So either this was the older brother and he only got $10,000 and the younger brother got twenty, dollars or something like that. Here's the point. Big deal. Get over it. Jesus was here on a mission, and his mission did not concern who got what land and who got what money. He was about souls. So then he says this in verse 15, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness means you are never satisfied with what you have. Here is the strange thing about covetousness. The more you have the more you want. Covetousness is this thing, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a neighbor or related to envy, jealousy. You complain more than you give thanks. And so this man, Jesus was addressing this man's issue and he says, you know what your issue is? You don't have a legal problem, you have a spiritual problem. And your spiritual problem is, you want more instead of being grateful for what you have. He says, beware of covetousness. Then he goes on and he says this, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You are more than your bank account. Now, isn't it amazing? And I've been guilty of it, Pastor. I've been guilty of it. When you meet someone with money, you treat them differently than someone who's broke. And I don't know what it is, but there's just this little bit of revere, a little bit more respect. Like when, you talk, when you're talking to someone that you know has money, good afternoon, how are you? Yes, Kwame Selver, yes. Okay, great, good to meet you, sir. Good to meet you, yes, you're the millionaire. <laughs> okay. And you speak in a certain way. Now, when it's, when it's just a normal person or someone on the side of the street begging for money, hey, get away from me, man, get away from my window. You roll your window up, you lock your door, you try to drive a little bit closer to the light. We act differently. But that man's life isn't valued because of how much money he has or doesn't have. His value is in the fact that God created him. See, your value, you, the things that you possess, well, I have an iPhone 59. 
you just have an Android. Well, first of all, the Android is better than the iPhone 59. <laughs> Brother Cherry will never forget me for this, right? But you're not value, you're, you're, listen, you could have a million things and still be a fool. You could be a multi-trillionaire, but you're no better than someone who is broke. You're no better than someone who is in debt. So Jesus says to him, he says, and, and he says to the crowd, he says, we have covetousness where a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things he, which he possesses. By the way, it's nothing with, wrong with you having possessions. The problem is when your possessions have you. So don't walk out of here and think, well, I got to sell the house and sell the car because the, the loudmouth preacher said, well, I can't be, you know, I can't have anything. No, no, no. You can have all those things, but all those things don't make you any better than anyone else. And once those things don't have you and you have them, you're okay. Because when God says to give it away or when God says to use it for his glory, you do it with ease because it's not yours to begin with. Because every good and perfect gift which we have cometh from above. So everything that I have belongs to Jesus anyway. So even if I'm a multi-trillionaire, all of my trillionaire's money belongs to Jesus. Jesus goes one step further. Verse 16, he spake a parable unto them, saying, so now he's going to give a parable to explain this situation. So this situation, you know what Jesus did? Which we, we all should be able to do. He took a bad situation and made it a learning experience. So now he's going to teach on covetousness 101. And so he goes into a parable. The word parable means an earthly story. We call it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand certain things, and people will use an illustration. Even today, I will use illustrations. Why? Oh, that's what he means. So we would try to use illustrations. And so that's what Jesus did a lot of. He used a lot of parables. In fact, a great study would be the study of the parables of Jesus Christ. And what he was trying to do was to teach a heavenly thought, but using earthly things that we could all relate to. So that's what a parable is. In, in other words, it's sort of like the early bird gets the worm. Well, I doubt you're going to see tomorrow morning when you get up some worm putting its beak in the, in the ground, picking up a worm and saying, I got it. You're probably not going to see that tomorrow morning. But what it means, though, is that when you're early and on time, you're more successful in getting the job done and getting things accomplished. The early bird gets the worm. So that's kind of what this parable is. So he goes into this parable, and here is a parable about a fool. So let's see if what this fool does is similar to what we do. So let's look and see what it says. So verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my bonds and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. First thing I want us to look at, before we go straight into negativity, let's be a little positive this morning. Can we be a little positive? Let's look at some good qualities that this man had. Okay? Go back to verse number 16. The ground of a certain rich man. He was a successful businessman. Folks, he was already rich. So this was not someone who didn't know what to do with money or didn't know what to do with business. He was an entrepreneur. He probably would have been on camel tank. Shark tank. Swing and a miss, pastor. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. But he probably would have been on shark tank, right? And he would have been sitting right next to Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. And he would have said, no, Kevin, this is the way you do it because I'm richer than you, Kevin, and I have this and I have that. So he was a successful businessman. Then it says, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He was a successful farmer. In fact, he was such a good farmer, notice what it says, uh, in verse number uh, 17, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? So now he has double the amount of fruits he had from last year. So not only was he a successful businessman, because just because you have a lot doesn't mean that you're successful at business. You, you know, sometimes people are successful at the act or the work, but they're not successful at the business. So they can be very good with their hands, but they're not good with their head. He was good with his head, he was good with his hands. So he brought forth plentifully. So now, not only that, he's a good businessman, a good farmer, he, he, was, he had a lot of intuition. Here's what he said. He said, here's what I'm going to do. My barn can only hold, less for sake of illustration, a thousand pounds of fruit. I will tear down that barn and build a bigger one. And when I build a bigger one, then I could go from holding 2,000 pounds of fruit, I'm sorry, 1,000 pounds, to 2,000 pounds. Folks, this man had it going on. So I want to start out on a positive note. This man was pretty smart. But let's look at the negatives. And let's look at why God called him a fool. Number one. He had the wrong teacher. You say, his teacher? Yeah, he had the wrong teacher. Let's see what the Bible says. It says in verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. What's the next five words? Who was his teacher? I want you to notice every time I use a personal pronoun, like I or my or mine, and every time I say it, I want you to count. So we're going to say one, two, three, four, five. Okay? Here we go. It says in verse number 16, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, here we go, what shall I you can do better than that. Okay, let's try it again. 
And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my, and I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This man, although a good businessman, although a good farmer, and although he had good intuition to know what to do with this barn, and by the way, the barns were built in such a way that they actually weren't the barns that you would see driving by. These were barns in the ground. But this man had the wrong teacher because he decided that he knew what was best for his life. Folks, That's a fool. Not one time when we read this, and remember now, this is just a parable. So this didn't happen, but the truth about it happens every single day. At no point in time in this man's life during this period when he he was able to get more fruits, at no point in time did he stop and say, you know what? I just need to thank God that he gave me double portion this year. You know what, honey? Let's just stop and pray right now and ask the Lord and tell the Lord, thank you, and thank him for his blessings on my life and our life and our family's life. Let's just stop and thank Jesus. Never at one time did he say, thank you, Jesus. Never at one time did he say, dear Jesus, what do you think I should do? Now that you have given me more than I know what to do with. Jesus, do you want me to give it to the poor? Jesus, do you want me to give it to the sick? Jesus, do you want me to give it to the orphans? Jesus, do you want me to use what you've blessed me with to be a blessing to somebody else? Jesus, I don't want to just pray and have my prayers answered. I want to be used to be an answer of prayer. Because I realize that everything that I have, the fruits that I have, it's all from you. Jesus, what do you want me to do with my fruits? Not one time did he turn to God or Jesus and say, what do you want me to do? Question. How many decisions do you make without prayer? How many major decisions do you make without even saying, God, thank you for what you have given to me? God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you. And dear God, everything I have belongs to you. So what do you want me to do with my stuff? What do you want me to do with my possessions? Better yet, Jesus, What do you want me to do with my life? You say, preacher, I got my plans. I got my life already lined up. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to study this thing. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have 2.5 children. I'm going to have a dog. I'm a white picket fence. I'm going to work for five years. Then I'm going to retire. Then I'm going to live on a beach. And then I'm going to die. 
I said it earlier this morning, if you think your life is gonna go one, two, three with God, it, don't, it doesn't go one, two, three. Have you ever stopped, if you're a businessman, have you ever at one time said, you know what? I need to dedicate this business to the Lord. Hey, pastor, could you come by the business this week and just pray? Say, I had this business for 20 years. Yeah, that's fine. Have the man of God come. Have some men of God come and pray over your business. Pray for your people. Pray for the lost workers that you have. Because maybe God gave you that business not for you to just get the money, but for you to reap the souls. God bless my business. God bless my house, my family. Pastor, we did real good this past year. You have any advice on what I should do with this? Dear God, let me get before you. Father, what, what should I do with, with all of this money that we have? We, we had a great year. What do you want me to do, God? Number one, he had the wrong teacher. He listened to no one but himself. Number two, he had the wrong treasure. He was so caught up because he was impressed with how much fruits and how much harvest he possessed. He was consumed. It says here, he says in verse 16, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? You know what happened? When he saw, he probably could see how much fruit was coming on the trees and how much fruit was coming on the vine and how much fruit was coming up. And he thought to, within himself, his mind was consumed with profit. I don't think he was concerned about his workers. I don't, I don't think if his workers came to work, and they had someone who died in their family, but they still came to work, and they were sobbing and they were crying, and he saw them, I don't think he would have stopped and said, hey, why are you crying? You know what he was thinking? Profit. Fruits. How can I get all of this profit? I don't want one cent to be wasted. Why are you crying? Can you pick fruit? Well, pick fruit and cry. He valued material things above everything else. You say, wow, that's kind of silly to value fruit. Well, don't you think it's silly to value a football team? And there's some people that know everything about their football team. And yet they can't find the book of Hezekiah in the Bible. They value his stats and the quarterback and the running back and the wide receiver and, and their fantasy team and, and this NBA team and this, this, and that, that. And they value these things. And by the way, all those people that you hold in high esteem don't even know you exist. So when you have a problem in your life, you dial them up and say, hey, LeBron, hey, Steph, hey, this one, hey, Trout, hey, whoever, could you help me please? Because my grandmother is sick in the hospital and they say she only has a few days to live. Can you help us please? 
You think they care about you? And they'll have, we'll have people that'll miss church to support someone that doesn't even know them and turn their back on the person who knows everything about you and yet still loves you. Do you value your money more than your relationship with your God? Are you consumed with profits? Are you consumed with success? Are you consumed with education? Are you consumed with sports? Are you consumed with anything more than God? Then I believe God would look down from heaven and he would say, thou fool. He had the wrong teacher. He had the wrong treasure. And he had the wrong timetable. Oh, this is a sad portion. Notice what he says in verse number, um, well, let's go to 18 and then we go to 19. It says, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my bonds and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. This was the big one. This, this, this particular harvest was going to be his harvest that he could retire on. This was the big one. He said, I'm going to say to my soul. He not only talked to his mind, he only talked to his ears, he even talked to his soul. He said, soul, guess what? This is it. Once I make this deal, once that person signs on the dotted line, that's it. I can retire. And I could say to my soul, he says, he said, I could say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Live a good life. Don't thank God. Don't live for God. You know, there are some people who say this. They say, well, when I get some money, then I'll, then I'll give to the church. No, you won't. When I get a little bit more time, then I'll help the church out, Pastor, and I'll serve the church when I get a little bit more time. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you can't give off the little you have now, you, you're not going to give when you get more. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Think about it like this. We use 10% for tithing. What do you say? 10% cheerful giver, swear, whatever. Give 10%. You make... of $500 is? It's not hard to get 50 bucks. It's not hard to get 50 bucks, folks. Now, you say, well, I don't even have 50 bucks. Okay, well, let's take it down. Let's say you make $50. Let's say you get $50 of allowance for the the week. You only got to give God. You all understand when I say give God, right? Everything belongs to God. But let's just say we're going on the tithing system. God only requires you, quote unquote, to give five bucks. What's five bucks out of 50? It's not hard to give when you don't have much. If you make a deal for $500,000, you think it's going to be easy to write a check for 50000 and give it to the church? Like, 
$50,000. Okay, calculate that again, 10% of 500. Okay, round it off, carry the one. $50,000, goodness gracious. Now, is that 50,000 one time, or can we spread that out over a 12-month period? Okay, we made it this time, and now we're supposed to just immediately after we get, get it. Folks, if you can't give 10% of $50, you, you're not gonna give 10% of a million dollars. I'm sorry to tell you. And if you can't serve God while you're single and don't have that much responsibilities, you are not gonna serve God when you have a family and bills and a house note and all the... You're not gonna do it. He had the wrong teacher. He had the wrong treasure. He had the wrong timetable. Look at what it says. Look at this sad verse. He said, I'm going to take my ease. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And notice verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know what God said? You are a fool because you have planned for your fruit. You've planned for your business. You've planned for your retirement, but you have not planned for your death. So you are a fool because you have everything planned out, but you have not come to the realization that tonight, before you harvest your fruits, tonight, before you sign that deal on the dotted line, tonight, your soul will be in hell. You hear counting bananas. And before the night is out, you will be burning in eternal flames. Thou fool. If you're the person that says, you know what? I don't want to get saved right now. I want to get saved when I get a little bit older. Who said you're going to get older? Not only that, I mentioned this at, at camp this week. There's, there's this young man. He walks the streets in the Bahamas. He's probably in his 20s. His mind is gone because... What I'm assuming would have happened, I'm just assuming what would have happened, he probably was smoking marijuana, and they have this thing that they call lacing, and they put stuff in the marijuana to cause your head to go, to, we say that in the Bahamas, your head to go, or you, you lose your mind. And because of him wanting to do drugs, and others, and in, even if it wasn't him, others who, who have this happen to them, their mind is gone, and outside of a miracle, they will never get saved because they no longer have the capacity to understand salvation. So you may not even die physically, but what if you die mentally and you are no longer able to understand the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ? I wonder how many people are in hell right now who intended on one day getting saved. 
And God looks at them and he says, thou fool. You're the wrong teacher. You only listen to yourself. You're the wrong treasure. You valued money and possessions over everything else. And you had the wrong timetable. You were thinking about your retirement and what you're going to do for these many years, but you only have a few hours left to live. So what does the wise person do? The opposite of fool is wise. What does a wise person do? Look at verse number 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He said, this, is, this guy's a fool because he was trying to make himself rich rather than God. So the wise person would do this. Make God rich and themselves poor. If I were to ask you to pull up your bank account, you could probably pull up your bank account on your phone, unless you're old school and you would get out the checkbook with the little thing, right? Or you could go in the bank and get a statement and you could see how much money you have on your account. Well, I have such and such thousand dollars, hundreds of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you could look at your IRA and uh, IRS, you could look at all that stuff, right? If there was an app that you could put on your phone or that I could put on my phone that could tell me how much rewards do I have up in heaven? How much would be on my account? How much would be on your account? It says he was rich to himself, but he wasn't rich towards God. Now, I don't want to be broke, but I would rather be broke on earth than to be broke when I get to heaven. I would hope that if I had that app on my phone, I could see young people that gave their life to Christ when I preached, different people that gave their life when I witnessed to them, different missionaries that God blessed when I gave to missions, different people that I impacted on just what my wife and I do, which, which is something I would love to start, Pastor. I'd love to start this and have a trend. Y'all may already do it, but I'd love to do it. What my wife and I do is when we go to a restaurant to eat, uh, when, we, when, we, when we're talking to the waitress, we say, hey, or the waiter, we said, hey, we're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything we could pray for you for? You'd be surprised. And then leave a good tip and leave a gospel track. Sometimes they are so caught off guard, they don't know what to say. And I don't know, preacher, how many waiters and waitresses are going to be up in heaven on our account because we wanted to be rich towards heaven. And yeah, you know what, I probably tipped them a little bit too much, but I wanted to make sure they read the gospel track. This man had the wrong teacher. He only listened to himself. Do you listen to yourself or do you listen to God? Do you listen to yourself or do you listen to godly counsel? They had the wrong teacher. They had the wrong treasure. He valued possessions above everything else. Do you value possessions over everything else? Do you value your time here? Or are you thinking already about the work for next week? And he had the wrong timetable. He thought he had years, but he only had hours. 
do you have your life already planned out? So the question I leave you with today is this. Would God call you a fool? Let's have every head bowed.